Hey, this morning. So glad to be here. My name is Eric Swanson. I'm the campus pastor at our Morris campus. So just in case you've never heard this before, there's two of us in this county, okay? We've got a We've got a campus here that you're sitting in, in, in Manuka, that's about a little over 40 years old, and then one down the interstate in Morris that's a little over one year old. And I have the privilege of leading that campus and just a ton of incredible mission folks who volunteer to set up our whole church inside of a school. And then, you know, everything we do here, we do there. We, we, we do coffee, we do kids, we give, we serve. And so uh, if you've never heard of that, then you can tell your Morris friends that, that we're out there. And um, it, most of you were a part when we were launching that church and we brought a bunch of awesome people from this one campus to multiply to two and God has been doing some good stuff. So this weekend I get to be back here and so I get to bring you glad tidings or whatever. I've never said that before but I bring you hello from Morris campus or whatever you're supposed to say officially um, and, and represent them and just tell you guys thank you for sending us, thank you for praying for us and, and for being one church in two locations. Also we do the same teaching series. So we've been doing this He Gets a series in Morris. Pastor Errol and I talked like last year and heard about this thing coming up and we said, hey, we could teach on Jesus and, and uh, what that means to us as this thing's going around nationally. And so our hope is that as you see ads or it might come up in conversation at work or whatever, that this is just an easy way for us to have more conversations about Jesus and church in our culture. And if it helps invite people to church or start a conversation about Jesus, that, that's our prayer. In the meantime, every week we open up God's word. And um, whenever we do that, we, we ask him to speak to us because we believe that his word is active and alive and powerful, not like any other book on the shelf. And so that's what we do every week, talking about how God, through Jesus, he understands us. He, he actually relates with us, and that, that changes how we approach him. And some of you I know, some of you I don't know as well, and I don't know how many of you know me, but one thing about me is I hate being interrupted. Anybody else out there? You don't want to, like your spouse is nudging you right now, but my spouse would raise my hand for me, that's for sure. If she interrupts me, I will like politely or not so politely, you know, kind of tell her that she was wrong and she needs to wait her turn, right? Because I, I was like, I got something, I'm important. I got something to say. And so when it's my turn, you need to wait your turn. And, and then by the way, I'm a huge hypocrite. So when it's your turn, it's still kind of my turn. And, and I don't want you to interrupt me, but when, when, if I have something that comes through my brain, my mouth will spit it out while you're talking. Just ask Pastor Errol. I interrupt that guy every day of the week and somehow he puts up with me. And so the bottom line is I'm more important. Right? I mean, I don't know if you have this problem, but this is my problem. I'm working on it. I'm aware of it. I'm, it's a struggle for me. I could be hanging out with the president of the United States, and I would interrupt him and tell him to wait his turn when I'm speaking because I'm more important. And so I don't know if you have that problem, but uh, nobody likes to be interrupted. And, and maybe it's not in conversation, but sometimes it's just our, our day-to-day life. It's our calendar. It's our schedule. That, it's, our, it's our plan that gets interrupted. And, and I think we all struggle with that to certain degrees. I don't know about you, but I'm almost always in a hurry. And, you know, and so even if I'm, it doesn't matter if I'm late or on time or early, I'm in a hurry. My wife's always like, well, why are you in a hurry? I was like, I don't know. That's how I live. And so like, I don't have time for interruption. And so um, it doesn't matter if I'm at work, I want to be getting work done. Right. And, and if I'm relaxing, then, then leave me alone. Cause this is like, I, I deserve this. I want this. I'm, you know, I'm chilling. If it's a playtime outside with my kids, like that, don't interrupt that. That's precious time. If I'm asleep, please don't wake me up. Don't bother me. Let the house burn around me. Just like, leave me alone. And if I'm eating and you interrupt me, I might bite you instead. Like I, I don't like to be interrupted in, in, in our day-to-day plans. Like I don't know how you build your calendar, how you build your week, how you build your month, or maybe it's your life plan, your five-year goal. You know, we, we've got these ideas for our life and we should do that. But I don't know about you, but I've just noticed there's never a really a good time to be interrupted. 
I don't have that built into my calendar. I've heard of some people that do that, that inside of a week they, they put some buffer because they just know how life goes. I'm not that wise, but like, it's not like, oh, uh, Monday morning at 10.30, that's, I'm, that's a good time to, for someone to bother me, right? Like nobody likes to be interrupted. And maybe it was, I thought I was gonna marry him or I was gonna go to that school or I was gonna do this for, you know, like we've got these plans, whether it's like this is my, my tight day plan or my, my long time life plan, but we've, we make these plans and when, when life brings us, you know, hiccups and left turns, it, it bothers us. So whether it's in conversation or in your schedule, we don't like to be interrupted. We don't have time for it. We don't have tolerance for it. It doesn't fit, it doesn't fit our plan. And what I want to talk about today is the fact that Jesus was interrupted. In fact, he was interrupted a lot. If you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they tell the story of Jesus' life and his teaching, how he treated people, where he went, what he did, what he said. And we see, if you read it through the lens of interruption, you'll notice like his whole life was one giant interruption. Like everywhere he went, people were bothering him, people interrupted him. He was interrupted while he spoke, he was interrupted while he healed, he was interrupted when he was going from one place to the other. And, and in fact, I was thinking about it, his very human existence was an interruption because God is eternal, always was, always will be. He ex- Jesus exists forever before we meet him in scripture. And, and he lived in a perfect place and he came to earth to hang out for like 30 years in a human body where he'd feel and experience pain. That was, a, that was an interruption just from his existing godness to come and hang out as a man. And then as he lives as a man, he, he goes through everything that we go through. Some of the famous interruptions were... Um, there's a time where he's healing people and he's in this, these, somebody's house and these people, they want to get to Jesus, but like it's packed. So they vandalize the house, they rip a hole in the roof and they lower their friend down because he's, he's paralyzed and they want Jesus to heal him. And you would expect Jesus, if I was Jesus, I'd be like, uh, hoist your friend back up and go to the back of the line, please. Like, you know, if you ever been at like Disney World or Six Flags and someone cuts in line, I'm, I'm calling that guy out. Like, I'm like, hey kid, I don't care. I don't believe your mom is up there, right? Like you're out. And so I would expect Jesus to throw the paralyzed guy out and say, wait your turn, you know? And uh, he does it. He heals the guy. He forgives the sins. He teaches everybody in the room in the meantime this incredible lesson. And Jesus was interrupted while he taught, while he was speaking. People would interrupt. They would throw questions out. And like, I was a youth pastor for about 15 years, and this happened all the time. Like, this is really great. Teaching adults, they're usually polite, you know, and you don't interrupt me pretty nice. But like, junior hires, they, they've always got a story to add or a question that's like, doesn't even relate. And, and they just, and they won't even raise their hand. They'll just throw it out there, no matter how big the room is. And so, uh, Jesus would be interrupted. And not only was he interrupted while he was teaching, people would ask him tricky questions on purpose. He was constantly trying to be trapped by these people that would get him in trouble who eventually did get him killed. And so, like a double whammy. First of all, don't interrupt me. Secondly, your motives are terrible, you know, and I know it. But no, he would, he would address their questions. He would give them answers, and he would teach everybody in the room in the meantime. And, and one time, he's going from one town to the next, right? And like, he's doing incredible things. He's, he's preaching salvation. He's healing people. And he was on a mission to go to the next town. And so it's Jesus and his disciples and a whole crowd of Jesus followers. And as they're going towards the next town, there's these two blind guys that are begging by the side of the road. And so they hear it's Jesus, and they're like, I think that guy might be able to help us. I've heard about him. So they're calling out, and they're like, Jesus, you know, and, and the Jesus followers are like, they're telling the guys to be quiet, you know. They're like, quiet down, blind guys. Jesus is important, you know, leave him alone. And, and Jesus has to stop, and it's almost like he looks back at these, his followers, and I can imagine, they don't tell us this in Scripture, but I imagine he's like, 
come on, guys. You know, it gives him this look. And then he's like, bring him to me. And he heals the blind men. And it says they believe in Jesus and they join this crowd of Jesus followers, which I think is hilarious because now for the rest of their life, they're like on the same team of the people that didn't want him to begin with, right? Like, remember when you guys said we couldn't bother Jesus and then he said we could and now we're part of your club? And so these are just a few of the famous interruptions that we see in Jesus' life that he was not... He was not beyond being interrupted. If you brought a Bible today, I want to look at a few of these with you in Mark chapter 5. So please, if you got a physical Bible or a digital Bible, I want you to open it up. We're going to actually look at chapter 5 and chapter 6. So you know, we're going to be here for a couple hours this morning. But no, we're just going to breeze through. And if your Bible, like mine, probably has like little headers above the stories before the verse starts. And this is what this story is going to be. And then down here, there's like a bolded. And I want to kind of just look through those. But I want you to swipe through or turn with me. So you, these are some of the most famous stories. If you've barely gone to church in your life, you've probably heard most of these. These are in the top 10. And, and as Mark tells the story, they are interruptions on top of each other. Interruptions inside of other interruptions. And this is, just gives you an idea of... Jesus' life and how he responded to people, how he responded to interruptions. And so uh, as a church, we're not real big on guilt trips. You know, we don't want to like twist your arm to make you give. We, we don't want to like make you serve by making you feel really bad. And so uh, my intention is not to show you a bunch of Bible verses so you go home feeling bad about how you handle life. But I do pray as we look through these passages of scripture that the Holy Spirit Bring something to your mind to encourage you this morning. So Mark chapter 5, he starts off by telling us about a demon-possessed man. This is a famous story. It says that Jesus and the disciples, they would sail across this little lake. they get to this town. We don't know exactly why they were going there. Jesus knows. He's sovereign. You can't thwart God's plans. But they're like, we're going to the town. And they don't even get to the town because there's this guy who was famously possessed by a bunch of demons. And they would chain him up and he could break the chains and he lived naked in like the graveyard and he was scary and he was out of his mind because of this demon possession. And this is the guy that's waiting for Jesus when they show up, you know, at the dock in this town. And so Jesus heals the guy. He deals with it. He, he's not like, leave me alone, you know, like you're crazy and naked and I'm, I'm on my way to something. He heals this guy. And it's crazy because the demons are like, don't kill us, put us somewhere else. So he puts him, he tells the demons they'll go into this herd of pigs and the, hit, the pigs immediately jump off a cliff. They commit suicide. So then all the townspeople are ticked, probably because that was like all of their money wrapped up in their livestock. Or whatever reason, they're either angry or scared and they're like, you gotta leave right now. You're, you're crazy. And so Jesus and the disciples get right back in the boat and they leave. And I'm thinking the disciples are probably like, we just got here. You know, like, I thought we were going up there and they don't even leave the dock area. They, they do the pig thing, they get kicked out and, and they, just, they just leave. And so... As soon as they get there, plans changed, back to the way they go. Then they head back to another town, and they meet a dying girl. So when they get back, uh, in verse 21 through 24, they get back to this other town, this other side of the lake, and there's a whole crowd of people waiting for them. And as you read through the Gospels, there's a lot of crowds that follow Jesus. If you read the beginning of Mark, you'll hear Jesus like, meet somebody, heal somebody, and he'd be like, no, don't tell anybody. Have you ever noticed that if you've read the Bible? And it seems so weird. Like, why? Like, we're commanded as Jesus followers to tell everyone we can about Jesus. But Jesus was telling specific people not to. And I really think part of that is because the more the word got out, the bigger the crowd got. And the bigger the crowd got, the more hated Jesus got by the religious leaders to eventually, like we celebrated Easter, he was arrested, tortured, and crucified which was all part of his plan. But I think he was trying to slow play it as long as possible because when you do miracles, 
people show up. And they're going to bring Aunt Edna or whoever they've got to get healed with them. And so as soon as he gets back to this other town, there's a huge crowd waiting for him. And so he's like talking and healing and teaching people. And then this important, one of their leaders shows up. His name's Jairus. Somehow he pushes through the crowd and he interrupts Jesus. And again, if I'm Jesus, I'd be like, Jairus, I know that, you know, you're a leader, but you should be a good Lead by example here, buddy. Like, wait your turn. But he interrupts and he says, Jesus, my daughter is dying. I need you to come right away. And he has faith that God can heal his daughter through Jesus. And so Jesus doesn't tell the guy to take off. He's like, all right, guys, I guess we're going to Jairus' house. So they take off towards Jairus' house. There's this big crowd. And as he's pushing through the crowd, we meet somebody else. We meet this woman who's been sick, who's been bleeding for 12 years. Scripture says that she's seen doctors. They've, they've done all they can. They can't, they can't fix her. They can't heal her. But she's heard about Jesus. This is a famous story. That's the lady that says, if I can just touch part of his robe, I might be healed. And it works. There's this crowd and somehow she gets through and she's able just to, to touch a part of her robe and she's instantly healed from the inside out. She's made better and Jesus knows it. And he stops, which is like, she's interrupting him while he's already been interrupted. Like Jesus can't even get interrupted without getting interrupted, you know? I don't know if you've ever had a day like that where it's like I'm, I'm down, I'm getting interrupted when I was already in the middle of some interruption. And, and that's who this woman is. And Jesus could have, I would have just kept going because she's already healed. Like he did a miracle like on accident, you know? And, and, but he's like, no, I felt it. He's always aware of what's going on. And he wanted to show this woman uh, dignity because her bleeding in that culture made her kind of an outcast. And he wanted to restore her to society. And he wanted to praise her for her faith publicly because he's not just ministering to her, he's ministering to the whole crowd as they watch and they listen. It's funny because he's like, hold on, somebody touched me. And the disciples say, what do you mean who touched you? Like, who didn't touch you? We're like fighting through this crowd. Everybody's trying to get their hands on you. He's like, no, somebody. And so he calls her out. She didn't really want to be singled out, but he makes this incredible moment with her to bless her and to teach everybody in the process. And then this happens. The girl who was dying now becomes a dead girl. Jesus took too long, right? Jairus is like, I knew she was dying. And, and so since Jesus is willing to be interrupted, uh, this is what happens. Mark says it in verse 35 like this. While Jesus was still speaking. Now Mark is a great author. He, he gives us a really good sense of the anxious urgentness of Jesus' life. He's always saying things like right away and while Jesus was still speaking and immediately like he points out like how these things are like on top of each other. While Jesus was, he's having this great teaching moment with the crowd and calling out this woman and teaching on faith. While he's still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead. They said, why bother the teacher anymore? Which I'm like, if Jesus would have just went over there like he said he would, he might have made it in time, right? But they're like, why? they say, why bother the teacher? They know that this guy is busy. They know they're interrupting him. But it's funny how Mark writes it. While Jesus was still speaking, like as he's in the middle of an interruption, he's interrupt. you know, like I don't know if you ever saw the movie uh, Inception where they go layers deep in dreams, right? It's like a dream within a dream. This is Jesus layers deep inside of interruption. These guys interrupt Jesus while he's dealing with this woman who interrupted Jesus while he was on his way to Jairus' house, who interrupted Jesus while he was teaching the crowd, right? Can you just see how it's just like this, this is his life? But Jesus went with it. He rolled with it. Jesus understood that the interruption is the ministry. His plans, you know, heading to this town, but this guy gets in the way, or talking to the crowd, and this guy interrupts, or talking to this woman, and now they come back and interrupt me again on top of it. Like, he understood that these are the people that God's called me to, and I'm going to take care of them. I'm going to teach them. I'm going to heal them. I'm going to deal with them. I'm going to minister to them as I go. 
So now the girl's dead, probably because Jesus got interrupted, and Jesus overhears this conversation, and he's like, no big deal, let's, let's just, you just gotta have faith. He says, just believe. So he keeps marching on over there. He takes a few of his disciples. As he gets towards the house, he says, she's just asleep, and they laugh at Jesus, you know? They're like, um, we got doctors, and like, nope, she's not just asleep, we know the difference, right? So he goes in, miraculously heals her, which is incredible. Jairus thought that Jesus could heal a sick girl, but better than that, he raises to life a dead girl. He, he gives her life and she walks back out. And he's like, get her some food, right? And now the people who were laughing at Jesus on the way in are worshiping Jesus on the way out. And all along the time, check out what he does. He ministers to the crowd who's watching. He ministers to the disciples who are following him. He ministers to the girl who's raised from the dead, to the dad who thought he couldn't do it, and to the woman he healed along the way. Because he's willing to be interrupted, he just, he has all these like top 10 stories on top of each other because he's Jesus and he doesn't push people away like I would. He doesn't get short with people like I would. He's okay to be interrupted. And this is not just one day, one busy week in Jesus' calendar. This is almost like a, a small sample of, I think, what Jesus' whole life. In fact, it continues. If you turn over to Mark chapter 6, Jesus actually sends his disciples out because he's been teaching them. He's like, you guys go out and, and you do some things. And so I want to pick up in Mark chapter 6, scroll down or, or flip over to verse 30. And the same kind of uh, just rugged pace goes like this. The apostles gathered around Jesus and they reported to him all that they had done and taught because they, they just got back from doing all this ministry in the name of Jesus. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they didn't even have a chance to eat, Jesus says to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Jesus even admitted, like, we've been going so busy. We've been interrupted on top of, we, we haven't even eaten. Like, when's the last time we, we stopped? And so he's like, let's get alone. Let's get some rest and some food. And, and if you're, when you're reading my, you know, Mark 5 and Mark 6, you're like, finally, this poor guy and his disciples, like, they need a break. They need some rest. They need a sandwich or something, right? And so they're like, this, he deserves this. They've been, like, really going to, uh, until their tank is unempty. And if they want to be healthy and carry on, they, they need to pause. They, they need to rest. They, they need to eat. So uh, he's like, let's get out of here. And here's what the very, very next verse says. So they went away by themselves in a boat again to a solitary place. But, there's always a but, many who saw them leaving recognized them. This is hilarious. They ran on foot from all the towns and they got there ahead of them, right? So Jesus is like, let's sail across this lake. And all these people are like, there goes Jesus and his disciples. They just like take off. And somehow they're able to race around the lake faster than Jesus can sail across it. And I don't know, you know, he picked some of these fishermen to be on their team. I don't know if they weren't good sailors or maybe it was like the movie Tommy Boy and there was just no wind that day. And they're like, oh man, I don't know what's up. There's no wind out here. But for some reason, people run around the lake faster than he can sail across it. And so when they get there, there's a huge crowd. And, and I mean, poor Jesus and the disciples. He's like, guys, we haven't eaten maybe in days. You know, we haven't been able to rest. We haven't, been able, we haven't stopped running. We gotta, we gotta go get alone. And instead, this crowd, boom, they're waiting for him on the other. He can't escape the crazy pace of life. And then check out what, what happens next. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them. Isn't that amazing? If I'm Jesus and Eric Swanson lands and sees a large crowd, I'm yelling at some people, right? Because I'm hangry by this point, and I don't have time for this. And I'm probably blaming the disciples for being lousy sailors or, or whatever, or blaming God for not sending more wind. But, but I'm, I'm pushing people away. I'm yelling at people. I'm, you know, I'm ruining my own witness in the meantime. But Jesus doesn't respond like that. Even though they were trying to get away and find time to rest and eat, 
He sees the crowd, and he's not bothered by them. He cares deeply about them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he begins teaching them many things. He's like, these people need us. I don't have time to take a break. If, if, they, if they're in need, I'm there for them. And this is an incredible picture of the heart of God for people. And it's an incredible challenge for God's people to have a heart for others the way Jesus did because he's teaching us by example. Right after this, uh, he decides to feed them all because he's hungry and, and they get hungry. And so this is one of the most famous stories where Jesus feeds the 5,000, which, by the way, Scripture says they only counted men back then. So if they had wives or there were some other women in the crowd and whatever children showed up, most people think of somewhere between ten and 15,000 people. So imagine this would fill the United Center. And they don't have food. And there's no Arby's. And so he finds some boy with like a couple, like a sack lunch, and he feeds all of them, right? It's this incredible miracle. And it's because he has compassion on this crowd. They're just following Jesus to the point where there's, there's nothing to eat. And he's like, instead of sending, you know, the disciples are like, send them away. We need a break. They need some food. And we'll, we'll pick that. And he's like, nope, let's just feed them. So he does this incredible miracle where he feeds thousands of people with like one sack lunch. And along the way, he's not just feeding people, he's, he's teaching his disciples. He makes them actually hand the food out, and he makes them pick up the leftovers so he can teach them, I can do anything. There's more food than we needed. We fed 15,000 people, and we still had leftovers. And you saw what we started with. Because Jesus realizes that more is caught than taught. We get that. You could say one thing, but people see how you live. If, if you have kids, I mean, this is huge to realize that whatever you say you believe, your kids are going to see how you live way more than what they hear you say. And it was the same for Jesus. And so he, as he goes through and he deals with interruption and he has compassion for people and he feeds the 5,000, he realizes the disciples are going to learn more from this than everything he ever said because more is caught than taught. And then check out in the very next verse, Mark um, 6, verse 45, immediately, like, just fed the 5,000. Now, if, if I'm Jesus and the disciples, you know, I'm going to celebrate. I might have a parade. We're going to at least high five, maybe spend the night there. We're like local celebrities. This is a big deal, but this is what happens. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. I mean, this is a big, you know, this is like they needed parking lot attendants at the United Center and stuff. So Jesus is like, why don't you guys go? We're going to get some rest and it never happened. You guys hit the boat. I'll catch up with you later. I'll, I'll, get, I'll, I'll dismiss the crowd. I'll, t I'll put the cones away, you know, whatever they had to do. And, and so this is what happens. And uh, this next part is a little confusing. I don't exactly know what to think of it, but I think it's hilarious. So he sends, the he sends them away on the boat and it says this, short, two verses later, shortly before dawn, so this is the middle of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. This is another famous story. If you barely go to church, you've heard that Jesus walks on water. This is where we know it from. But we always forget this part. He was about to pass by them. I don't know what he was up to. It sounds like he got busted, right? He was about to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. And they cried out, ah! because they all saw him and they were terrified. And I'm just thinking, this is like Jesus' alone time, right? I mean, the way it sounds like, maybe he did this all the time and he got busted once. That's the only reason. I don't really know, you know? He's like, man, it's been a busy week. We haven't even had a chance to eat. We just kept meeting crowds. I finally told the disciples to go relax and... So a perfect night for just a walk on top of the lake, right? Like the classic, like, like you do, you know? And so he's like, it feels so good on my feet. He's just like strolling across the lake. And then he's like, hold on a second. Do I hear some junior high girls screaming? And he's like, oh no, that's my, tw my top 12 guys in a boat, right? And so he's like, I got to go deal with them and calm them down. And so uh, like, even when he's finally getting some solitary, alone, quiet walk on the water kind of time, he still gets interrupted. And he doesn't tell them like, 
leave me alone. You know, like, whoo, I would have just scared him more and just to toy with him. But he goes and he calls him down and, and it says it was like crazy waves and he calms that. He's like a little bonus miracle on the side. But um, so he does all this stuff. And then at the, it's, 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 towards the end of Mark chapter six, I want to show you what, what Mark says to kind of to wrap up this whole section. When they crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret and anchored there. As soon as they got out of the boat. So, I mean, again, they're almost trying to escape the crowd. They're going to the next thing, but they can't get away. Because as soon as they get out of the boat, people recognize them. Because they are local celebrities. And they ran throughout the whole region. And they carried the sick on the mats to wherever he was. And then the next verse says this. And wherever he went, in villages or towns or the countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplace. They begged him to let them even touch the edge of his cloak. I think they heard about the bleeding woman. And they're like, holy cow, maybe he'll let us just do that. They believed. And it says, and all who touched it were healed. Everywhere he went, whether he was in town or in the country or getting off a boat, Mark's like, I just got to wrap this up. I, I, I gave you several examples, but it just continues like this for Jesus. So let me just summarize it because I'm running out of papyrus or, or whatever it is I'm writing on. And he's like, Everywhere Jesus went, he was bombarded with needy people who were bothering him and interrupting him. Individuals and crowds alike. They wouldn't let the guy get a break or a sandwich. And what's amazing is, Jesus is the most important person who's ever walked the earth. I mean, you're important, but you're not there to save people's sins. His mission, his calling, what he was about to do, what he was here for, was way more important than all of us combined. Yet, he was interruptible. He... He made himself available to interruptions because he realized that the interruption is the ministry and life is a journey. And instead of all of his hopes and plans and what I thought I was up to, I'm gonna roll with what God brings my way and minister to the people in, that he brings my way. And, and this is what I'm called for. So what are we supposed to take away from this? Because we get interrupted, and if you're like me, I actually don't like it, and, and Jesus gets interrupted. And in the meantime, he does some of his greatest miracles, some of the greatest teaching stories in the Bible. The first thing is this. Jesus is never too busy for you. I don't know if you've ever thought that, like, why would Jesus care? Or I don't want to bother God again. I've talked about, you know, like, we see rich and poor, male and female, young and old people interrupting Jesus, even while he's already interrupted by someone else and he has time for them. People that he could have walked away because the lady was already healed and he stops and he has time for her. You know, people that interrupt him as he's doing all kinds of other things and important things and he's never too busy. So you can turn to him at any time with anything because he shows us that he cares about every single human in an intimate way. And that's just awesome to realize all these examples of interruptions. We're not bothering Jesus when we turn to him, especially in prayer. He's got time for us. Think about this. God can hear and understand millions of prayers in hundreds of different languages all at the same time. That's the God that we pray to. You're not going to ever bother him. So go to God midday, midnight, doesn't matter. He's never too busy for you. The second thing is this. Your problems are never too big or too small for Jesus. Sometimes we think, well, this is such a big deal. Like, I, I, you know, I need doctors or I need money. Or like, we, we feel like not even God could, could turn this thing around. This relationship is so beyond repair, right? Or sometimes it's just the opposite. We feel like this is so petty. Like, have you ever play, prayed because you were sick, like with the flu? I do. Like, oh my God, my tummy hurts, you know, make it go away. And like, really, it's a 12-hour bug and I'll feel better tomorrow. But in the meantime, I'm miserable and I'm begging for God. And then like, you meet someone that has like terminal cancer and they're praying for healing, and you're like, oh, I was praying for the flu bug, you know, and like, 
you're asking for something way more worthy of God's attention. But in this story that we just read, God, Jesus has time for and deals with everything from the gamut of your daughter is dead to we're hungry, right? And, and he gives them equal attention. Like whatever it is that you deal with is not too small for him to care about. And whatever you deal with it is not too big for him to do something about. He can bring a dead girl back to life and he can give you food when you're hungry and anything in between. So he's never too busy for you and there's nothing that you've got that you shouldn't bring to him because it's either just too far gone or too big or not important enough because he cares about every single person that comes his way. The third thing is this. Jesus sees interruptions as opportunities. I see interruptions as annoyances, right? Like, leave me alone, leave me a message, I'll get to you tomorrow, right? Uh, But Jesus is like, if this comes my way, it's an opportunity. Now, I, I think we should like somehow try to figure out what, what opportunities are worthy of our attention and our time because we, we can't just be frantically, you know, all places at all times and drive ourselves crazy. But somehow Jesus just had this perfect ability to know where he's supposed to go, who he's supposed to take time with. And he sees these interruptions that I would think were in his way to what he was really doing as this is what I'm doing because the interruption is the ministry. And I think God wants to do the same thing in your life. That God can use interruptions in your day-to-day calendar, in your life plan, you know, in the middle of your day. And he can use those as opportunities to do great things in your, in your life, in your heart, and through you. Um, it could be an unexpected phone call. And you're like, oh, I didn't want to talk to him today, you know, or, or whatever. You're like, I don't have time for that. could be an invitation to, to go someplace or maybe to serve at church. And you're like, oh, I guess I could. I was kind of, I don't want to or I'm busy, you know, and then like pray about it. it. It could be an invitation to go on a missions trip. And you're like, I never considered that before. But this opportunity is coming my way. It doesn't mean you're supposed to go necessarily, but I do think maybe we should pray about it. Somebody that you notice who's in need, whether you know them or not. But for some reason, you heard about it. You saw it. You noticed it. And you feel like, maybe I should do something. Think about, Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan. And in the story, this priest guy who's all, you know, important, walks right by the guy in need. But this Samaritan, who's supposed to be the dude's enemy, gets down off of his donkey and he, he, he helps him out. He takes him. He gets him cared for. He follows back up with him. And Jesus is like, that's how you're supposed to treat whoever you come into contact. So when we notice a need and it feels like, I don't, I don't have the time to deal with that. I'm, I'm late for work or, or I don't know what it is. But we, we get to be more like the priest where we think we're too busy. And, and, and I think God's saying, I can use your interruptions as opportunities. I said it like this. You never know what God is up to until you let him interrupt you. Because we got our plans and we should. God's given us minds and, and wisdom and he's told us we should provide for ourselves and provide for our families and make plans. Like those are good things to do. But your plans are not as good as God's plans. And, and you'll never know what God's up to unless you let him interrupt you. Because it's in the interruption that he'll get a hold of our hearts and he'll, he'll teach us things. And it's in the interruption that he'll use us to do things that were not on our minds and our hearts. They weren't in our plans. God will use things that we would never choose, that we won't even like, that we never ever planned on. And he'll use those to teach us, to grow our faith, to use us to minister to other people, to be a blessing in our life or be a blessing in other people's lives. You could probably think back to things where you're like, oh, that, at the time, that was an interruption. I, I didn't like that. I didn't ask for that. I wasn't even sure if I, you know, I wish it wouldn't have happened. But now I look back and I'm like, God was so good. He met me there. He used that for me. I'm, I'm a better person. My faith is bigger. Or that's when I met so-and-so. Or that, God used us to do this. You know, you could probably think of people 
who are a blessing to you because they were interrupted, right? And I'm, I'm so glad that God used them even though I wasn't in their original plan. And so you'll never know what God's up to if you don't let him interrupt you. But when you do, he can do amazing things. My question is, are you okay with God interrupting your plans? Whether it's like the rest of my Sunday or this week or my five-year plan. Like, we've got ideas, we've got hopes, we've got dreams, and those are good. But can we surrender those to God and say, all right, God, this is kind of what I'm thinking, but you're smarter than me. And if you've got something to come my way that catches me off guard, maybe it's just an opportunity to see you move in powerful ways that I would never know before. Here's what I want to say this does not mean, okay? This does not mean you need to answer every single phone call. Like, I don't know which ones, pray about it. This does not mean you need to say yes to every single invitation, right? Like, you'd be crazy. You'd, be, you'd wear yourself out. It doesn't need to mean that you have to feel guilty for making your own plans. We, we should make those plans, um, but we can surrender those to God. It doesn't mean we should allow ourselves to be stretched too thin. Sometimes, sometimes really good-intentioned Jesus followers say yes to too many things, and we get burned out. Or we ignore our family for a season and our marriage suffers. And we're like, but I'm doing all this good stuff over here, right? Like I'm doing ministry stuff. I'm doing God stuff. And God's like, I don't want that for you. So this does not mean that we need to feel guilty and, and respond yes and, and, at the expense of healthy priorities of putting God first and our spouse second and our kids next before all these other opportunities. But I do think like Jesus, somehow we need to pray through the wisdom to know which interruptions are God interruptions and which ones we can go ahead and pass on. And I don't have that answer every time, but I think if you pray about it, like how often do you pray about these interruptions before, for me, I dismiss them way faster than I pray about them, and I need to work on that. So I want to challenge you this week to pray about interruptions in your day, interruptions in your conversation, interruptions in your long-term plan, because God will use those interruptions to do amazing things. Here's the thing, God is never too busy or too important for you, and he should be, but he's not. So let's not be people who think we're too busy or too important for God. That when an interruption calls, we can at least turn our attention to God and say, all right, God, you want me to take care of that? You want me to call him back? You want me to look into that? You want me to, you know, kind of change my plans for the rest of today or for the rest of this month or whatever it causes me? And we just kind of pray through. We surrender our schedules. We surrender our plans to God and say, all right, God, this is what I'm thinking, but I want to be open to you interrupting me. And I think he will give you that wisdom and he will work in ways that you never imagined when you let him interrupt your plans. Last thing I want to say was this. God can do more through an interruption than you can with your plan. This is what we see in the story of Jesus. He's on his way to do this and he gets interrupted. While being interrupted, this other thing happened. And along the way, it's like some of the greatest miracles and stories of, 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 that we've ever known in all of Scripture because Jesus was, a, was willing to be interrupted. And I think it's the same in our life. God will do more in an interruption in your life and you don't even see it coming than all the things that you hoped and wished for because he's God and we're not. So we can just surrender our plans and trust that God knows best and then just trust him that he will use us, he will stretch us, he will grow us, he will bless us in ways that we could never imagine. I don't know if I always get this right, but I'll tell you what. If I didn't let God interrupt me, I wouldn't be here today. 
I grew up in Morris, but I, I, I'd still be in Wisconsin. Because we felt like God called us. I was a youth pastor at a church in Wisconsin. And we moved on up there feeling like this is what God wants. And I still feel like that's exactly what God wanted. And we loved it. We loved our church. We loved our ministry. Uh, we liked our kids' schools. We liked our friendships, our kids' friendship. Like, we're just like, wow, God is really blessing us here. God is really using us here. And we're hoping to stay here for a long, long time. We rented this house and we thought we had already talked to the landlord about buying the house. And then Pastor Errol calls me and he's like, hey, we're going to start a church in Morris. I just want you to pray about something. I wonder if you might be a part of that. All right, talk to you later. You know, he didn't really hang up on me, but it makes for a better story. And I was like, well, I got to say yes to prayer. He didn't offer me a job or anything. He was just like, uh, we're not doing this for several months, but think about it, pray about it. I was like, fine, you know, how, how do you say no? For? So we started praying about it and it was months and we were like, wow, maybe that's what God wants. But we felt like this is what, and we had to really, we had to really sort through it and talk to people and pray and wait on the Lord. But we, over time, felt more and more clear, like he wanted us to come down here. And I'll tell you what, this has been the best interruption of my life. It wasn't in my plans. It wasn't in my hopes and dreams. It was like, at the time, it kind of felt like an interruption, and I got to move my family and find new schools, and we'll see what God's got in this. But in the meantime, we get more grandpa-grandma time because we move back to where we're both, my wife and I are both from, and, and we're part of this incredible opportunity to start a second campus in Morris and see people step into ministry, and, and we're just praising God for what he's doing because it wasn't our idea. It was an interruption. So I don't know what God's got up his sleeve for you, but I know that he can do more in an interruption than all your plans combined. And so I just want to lead us in a prayer of surrendering our schedules to God and inviting him to interrupt us when he knows it's best. So would you stand as we pray? And maybe just this week, when you feel an interruption come, that you would just pause and have a short, in the back of your mind prayer and say, God, is this from you? And I'm going to pray that he gives us the wisdom to step into that when we think it is. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the way that we can, um, we can learn from the way Jesus lived. Because more is caught than taught. So we thank you for all the things that he said. But we thank you that Mark and these other guys wrote down how he lived. <laughs> and I can laugh about how I would respond, but I'm inspired by the way he responded. And God, we know that you've called us to be like Jesus. To respond and to love people like Jesus did. And we know that when we do, you'll use us like you used him. That's what you've promised. And you've put your spirit into all, all of us who believe. And so God, this week, we just want to surrender our plans, our hopes, our dreams, our calendars, our schedules. And we just say, all right, God, this is what I'm thinking. And we're going to go after it until you get our attention. But God, we want to invite you to get our attention. And, and, and if an interruption comes, we just want to, we're asking that you give us the wisdom to know what to do with it and the courage to respond. Because we really believe that when we, when we let you interrupt our plans, it's because you know better and we want to walk in that. I pray that as we do that this week, you'll, you'll minister to our hearts. You'll grow our faith. You'll bless us. And I pray that you'll use us. That other people will know you because we've walked into interruptions because they're actually opportunities sometimes. Give us the wisdom to know what to do. And uh, we pray that you'd use us for your glory. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks so much for being here this week. Hope you have a great week. And we'll see you next week for more He Gets Us.